Good morning, my name's Leanne. I'm the executive pastor here at Crossroads and I'm so excited to be sharing with you today um, in our week seven of our fully mature series. And we're taking a look at emotionally healthy spirituality. So like I said, we're at week seven and I know some of you might be going, really, already? But all of the one to six are online. You can watch them anytime and they have notes and questions attached to every video. So I hope that as we've been traveling through this series, you've been taking the time to either pull them up on your screen or print them out and spend some time reflecting on them because it's really important work that we're doing. So today we're looking at growing into an emotionally mature adult. And I love the title of this same chapter in the leadership book, which is Make Love the Measure of Spiritual Maturity. So for months behind me has been a frame, which is now gone this week, that has our Crossroads mission statement on it. And it's four words, very simple to remember. Hopefully you can just say it before I even say it, and that's love God, love others. And it's based on the scripture passage, Matthew 22, 37 to 39, where Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So these four words of scripture are a command. They're a reminder of priorities. They're a call to action. And most importantly, they're inseparable. inseparable. Did I get that word right? Inseparable. We cannot separate them. We need to live both of them. We need to love God and we need to love others. We have done a lot of work in weeks one to six on the first part of our mission statement. We have talked about the love God part a lot. We've looked at who God is. We've looked at who we are in relationship with God. We've talked about walking through um, some of our toughest times with God, when we've hit walls, when we've had grief, when we've had loss. And most recently, we talked a lot about spending time with Jesus, cultivating our relationship with him and resting in him. So today, we shift to the second part of our mission statement, the rubber meets the road part, the love God, no, the love others. And as it says in Matthew, it's love our neighbor. So let's um, have a look at this love others part. Uh, I know we are sick of talking about COVID <laughs> in the last two years, but I really feel like that we have to talk about that today because in the last two years, we've gone through a time where um, people... Uh, have become, I, I don't want to use the word enemy, but they've definitely become the vehicles of harm to us as we've, as we've gone through the world together. We can no longer distinguish between the people we want to be near or stay away from, and we've become distanced from everybody. If you went through quarantine with a family member in your own house, you'll, you'll agree with me how weird that whole um, experience was. And as the pandemic has gone on, I will be the first to say that people have disappointed me. They've disgusted me. They've disagreed with me. Um, they've scared me. They've ignored me. And some people have just disappeared from my life. Um, some of us have become very consumed by the desire to change others. And mostly that is a change to make them just like us so that we can be comfortable. And every now and then we've seen hope rise through people in the way that people love, they sacrifice, and people that have hung in there with us. But I think the persuasive feelings are really defensiveness, negativity, and fear. And it's spilled out over into people's views of the church as well. There is growing disillusionment about what the church is. Uh, people have de been deconstructing and reconstructing their faith 
They've been reclaiming their theology by removing the lenses of white privilege, male privilege, socioeconomic privilege, and much, much more. Um, it would not be an understatement to say that the world is in desperate need of love right now, and the true quality of which we know can only be found in Jesus and through his people. So right now in 2022, we need the ability to love differently. So Pete Scazzaro, who uh, wrote the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book that we're working through, says the end result of our inability to walk out our beliefs is that our churches and relationships within the church are not qualitatively any different from the world around us. And as the leadership here at Crossroads, we refuse to accept that our community, which is you, um, would be growing in love for God in ways that does not translate to growing in love for people. This endeavour of living emotionally healthy spirituality means that we must learn how to practically apply the truths of Scripture as we love others. And we don't experience this Christ-like change when we decide to follow Jesus. Um, and along the way, we have all developed really bad habits, but like everything good in life, loving others takes work and practice. We need to break patterns from our past and even ones that we've possibly learned in church so that we can love others well. So there's a slide coming up that will just give you sort of a picture of growth. But as in physical growth, emotional and spiritual growth has definable stages. They don't necessarily match our chronological age. So as you listen to this emotional growth chart, maybe you can recognise either your journey or people around you's journey, or place, the places you've been and places you need to go. We all start out as emotional infants. We, uh, it's all about us in this stage. We need others to take care of us, and we're always focused on instant gratification. Then we move into being emotional children, who we're happy if we get what we want, but we unravel quickly. We're easily hurt, and we definitely cannot have any calm discussion about our needs. Then comes the teenager stage where we may be defensive, deal with conflict poorly, where we're critical and we have difficulty listening to and entering into others' pain. And then finally, our goal is to reach emotional adulthood um, where we can ask for what we need, we're able to be responsible for our emotions, we're able to respect others, able to resolve conflict and be able to love others well. The Bible is full of truths that we need to figure out how to live them in our current world and context. And the story of Jesus' life is not only a masterclass in this, but a testament to the gift that loving well is to a hurting world. So loving others, as you can see, is a huge endeavour and it's going to take a lot more weeks of discussion and, and work. But today I want to start with one foundational piece, and that is not only to practice the presence of God, but to also practice the presence of people. So our scripture for today is probably a very familiar one to a lot of you. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan, and it's found in Luke 10. And I'm going to jump in and out of the story while looking at this relationship framework through which you can hear the parable and then think about this idea of practicing the presence of people. So it's from Jewish theologian Martin Buber, I think is her na his name. I don't know how to pronounce that probably. Um, and he introduced this concept of the fact that most healthy and mature relationships between two human beings is an I-thou relationship. So a slide is coming up that gives this in picture form. We have my world, we have your world. I'm the I, you're the thou. 
I recognize that I am made in the image of God and so is everyone else. I affirm others as having a unique and separate existence apart from me and this makes others worthy of respect, dignity, value, love and I recognize that every individual is sacred or holy. So hold that framework in your mind as we go across to our verses in Luke for the, for the parable. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. So here we meet the first couple of characters of this story. The first one is the lawyer that asked the question. Now, he's not a lawyer like we think of a criminal lawyer nowadays, but most likely a Pharisee who was learned in the religious law. And the Pharisees separated themselves from any potential source of defilement. They refused to associate with anyone who did not observe the law as scrupulously as they did. Fellow Pharisees were their principal associates and they viewed their group as a community calling themselves their own neighbours. So it's interesting that he asked this question, who is my neighbour? And then we meet the man, the poor man, most likely Jewish. He was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho and this road that he travelled on was well known and notorious for robbers and thieves. It was actually called the Way of Blood um, and he was beset by these thieves and left half for dead. So let's keep reading. A priest happened to be going down the road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So here's our next two characters. The priest um, is most likely a Jewish priest, a Sadducee, and they were aristocratic priests. They weren't necessarily... Um, they were more interested in power than they in politics than they were in spiritual leadership. And they came by way of their office because of being from rich families and having um, getting influential positions in government because of that. Um, now, <laughs> I read one, one commentary that said after he didn't go over and check the guy out and stayed on his side of the road, he probably went and found other Sadducees and talked about why God let sinners and sin be in the world in the form of robbers, and what should they do about that problem and left the victim there half on the road, which I just think is incredible, but not too far from what we hear in today's world. And the second character is a Levite who is also Jewish, and he was uh, from a tribe that provided assistance to the priests in worship in the Jewish temple. He may have looked at this guy on the ground and pitied him and wanted to help him, but I don't know, he was on the road too. Maybe he had pressing matters. And if he had have touched or been part of assisting this guy, um, he would have been considered unclean for his priestly work. So he chooses to stay and pass on the other side. So both the priest and the Levite demonstrate to us what happens too often when our relationships become unhealthy and become I-it relationships instead of I-thou relationships. So as you can see from the picture, when we change 
to I it. We judge people and turn our differences into virtues of moral superiority, which diminishes their humanity and reduces them to objects. We treat people as a means to an end. We get frustrated when people don't see things the right way and don't get with our program. And we let labels dictate our actions and expectations of people. So as we go back to the story, we meet the final character, which is a Samaritan. And Samaritans were hated by the Jewish community. They were shunned as uneducated. And any attempt that this guy would make of assistance would have been treated with scorn if the half-dead Jewish guy was able to probably lift his head off the ground. So we get to verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, there's a huge contrast between the actions of the Samaritan and that of the priest and the Levite. My favourite part of the story is that little phrase, he went to where he was. He crossed the road. He got down hands and knees. He had compassion. He tenderly shared in the painful situation of this guy and, and helped him. The Samaritan likely had things to do and places to be. He had a life, I'm sure, just like the other two and obligations. And he may have been inconvenienced. He stayed with him um, and to help the man, but he wasn't deterred. He put his life aside for that moment and did what was required to make sure the man got the help he needed. This is the true picture of healthy relationships. This is the I-thou relationship in all its fullness. This is where we connect across our differences and where it reflects the relationship we have with God because God fills that space between me and the other person. It becomes a sacred space as God's presence manifests itself there. And loving well, like the Samaritan did, becomes a very powerful experience. So I've got a table here that just summarises the two things that the it relation, I, it, the I, it relationships and the I-thou relationships. I'm not going to read through it. I just want it there so you can see the words that jump out from both sides of this because I'm over the top of it. I want to read um, John 13. And these are Jesus' own words that he read while he was washing the disciples' feet the night before he died. And often it's really easy for us to say, oh, yeah, he washed the disciples' feet. And it's this kind of mass picture in our mind. But we skip over the fact that like two of the feet belong to Judas. Judas, who was going to betray him that, that very night or had betrayed him that very night. And this is like the ultimate I-thou relationship where Jesus could look across at Judas's face and see him as an image bearer of God, see him worthy of value, see him worthy of love and of, of being able to humble himself and wash his feet. And he said to the disciples while he did that, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So when God calls, do we listen? 
When he puts a circumstance in our path, do we walk around it as the priest and the Levite did or take it on as the Samaritan did? Do we let our obligations and worldly wishes get in the way of loving our neighbours as Jesus asked of us? I really love the last question that Jesus asked, which is like of the lawyer, which is like a twist on the original question. Who of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man? I like to think that Jesus was banking on the fact that the Pharisee um, would not want to say Samaritan because he just had so much disdain for him. And um, as, as the lawyer answered, he said, it's the one who had mercy on him. In other words, he could have said anyone, anyone with mercy. And theologian Joel Green writes that this removal of labels and expectations opens wide the door of loving action. It's an invitation to all of us to go and do likewise. So this brings us to our big idea, which is that, like Jesus, we must never separate the practice of the presence of God from the practice of the presence of people. And I'm going to leave you with three questions and a little story. <laughs> that just um, These are three questions that I thought would be very helpful to ask ourselves this week as we're encountering loving people and, and, and living with people and moving through the world with people in order to see if we are practising I-thou relationships. Um, and the little story before I read them is that as I was practising this message um, and I got to this exact part, I was sitting in the car loop at... Chapel Street, which if any of you have ever experienced a school car loop, it brings out the best in humanity. Um, and I watched a, a girl come through the loop and go the completely wrong way that we've had a big issue with and try and sneak through cars to get out the quick way rather than do the, like, you know, semi, not very long drive back around the school, which we're asked to do. And I realised my very first, like, reaction to watching her do that was judging and as, as one of the, the second question there is, am I loving or judging? And I was like, you know what? This is, this is the rubber meets the road thing. And I prayed for her straight there. And then I prayed for myself too, because I really needed to repent of that attitude. Because as we see people as God's image bearers, we cannot let just the littlest of things turn our heart to a place where we, we judge others. So here are the three questions as we encounter people. Am I fully present or distracted? Am I loving or judging? Am I open or close to being changed? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for being the perfect example of someone who practiced the presence of people. You met people where they were at. You reveled in their presence. You met their needs you looked for relationship with them. And I just thank you so much that you are just the perfect example for us on how to love others. I just pray this week for our community that as we practice the presence of God, we will also practice the presence of people. That as we look at those around us, that we will see your face. That we will invite you into that sacred space between us and others so that we can love them well and introduce them to your love, Lord. Just thank you so much for your love for us and your life that you lived here on earth so that we can see this in action. We just pray these things in your name. Amen.